0: Welcome back to Enlighten Up. You are listening to episode 13, Meditation, Violet Flame, Visions, and Michael's Adoption Plans. So that's right. Uh, Later on, Michael's going to talk about having kids and what that means in regards to meditation. How does that work and should we be doing it? But first, we're going to get into what exactly is meditation? What are the different forms? How does breath work, assist your meditation and your visions. Uh, We're going to talk about what the violet flame of transmutation is. And of course, can anyone be psychic? That's a good question. Do you think you could be psychic? Well, we're going to talk about that all in this upcoming episode. So let's jump in and get right to it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Enlighten Up. You are here with Lisa Watson, Michael Ronayne, and myself, Nicole Frolic. And today is episode number thirteen. And today we're going to be talking about meditation. Michael, how are you doing today?
1: And friggin' I
0: know you're hurricane worried.
1: Oh, I'm not worried about that.
0: Right. <laughs> no,
1: I'll see. I was just thinking about picking up kite surfing, so I think it might be a good time.
0: Oh, yeah, that, that is a good hobby to yeah, pick up in hurricane I need a
1: good 70-mile-per-hour wind to pick my sorry ass up out of the water.
0: Came to technology. Our founder, Herman DeVry, never settled. What? what the hell?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? That was me looking what the at the wind. One-
0: Lisa. Lisa, <laughs> get Lisa, get it together. today. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to fuck with you, Nicole. (laughs) Oh man. Start over, Nicole. I can't I can't (laughs) do this again.
2: It's just gonna be one of those days. Oh god. (laughs)
0: Lisa, how are you doing today? I'm great. Everyone's laughing now. I know, I know. We've had a little surge of energy coming. Usually in. it's me.
1: It's my I'm usually the one making noise, but I'm glad it's you now today, Lisa. Trying to loosen everyone up
2: a little bit.
0: <laughs> all right, we're going to talk all things meditation today and uh, we're going to talk about different types of meditation, how you can learn to meditate, what are some of the important uh, steps to take when you're meditating and uh, maybe some misperceptions of what meditation actually is. Uh, like Michael, what did you think meditation was when you first heard about it?
1: That's a good question because, I mean, I always just thought it was just people somehow being able to sit in some weird, awkward position for some reason connecting their their fingers together and that somehow makes your brain go completely dead for about an hour and then they get out and they're relaxed that's what i thought meditation was when i first heard about it hmm. that's like a- literally like it was just like okay some people just sitting there being quiet for about an hour
0: so like a timeout
1: timeout a <laughs> timeout in your day your stress whatever i didn't know they were tripping out on like visions and and you know dmt or whatever has got going on but like Uh, for some of the people but like that's you know what it meant to me also I thought meditation was just kind of like a type of prayer when you okay this is gonna sound awful but I'm gonna just say it before I met you two well actually not before I met you two but before I met you two in the current state that you two are in (laughs) (laughs) I literally thought like meditation was just uh people's way of praying without literally praying to something does that make sense like like not necessarily to Jesus or to God or whatever it's just like they're just somehow praying in some mantra like spirit
0: just throwing it out to the ethers and hoping it'll yeah, stick somewhere like
1: like like, like oh you. crap I don't want to I don't want to uh f up tomorrow at work so I'm going to concentrate on do not f up at work do not f up at work and that becomes your like mantra for the hour
0: oh my god just okay please don't anyone ever use that mantra <laughs> Like
2: let's focus on what we want and
0: yeah.
1: not what we don't want.
2: Exactly. That's <laughs> Yeah,
1: well that's what I thought. You asked me a question, there you go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I have used that mantra before, it works just fine.
2: Oh god. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> just would you do something positive? Just like do a great job at work today. Do a great job at work today. <laughs> <laughs> That would just be so much better.
1: Uh,
2: okay. Yeah. Glass half all, half empty.
0: Ah, uh, the words you use are very important. Well, <laughs> um, that's
1: manifesting 101 right there. Oh, I'm Mike. sorry. I meant to say, do not F up at work today. Um, <laughs> Is that better? No.
0: no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Lisa, <laughs> what about you? What was meditation for you when you first heard about it? You know, I honestly don't remember when I
2: first heard about it, but I learned, you know, when I was doing the Course in Miracles, when I was first doing the lessons, um, way back when I was a teenager. It's in those lessons you you're asked to just you know quiet quiet your mind and think about certain, like every you know 15 minutes or twice that day or something, and it gives you something to think about, and it tells you how you know not to think about anything else. So I realized later that that was meditation, just quieting your mind. So, you know, through um, other books that I read, like just Wayne Dyer, and I actually had had looked up some stuff on meditation, um, you know, and I just learned that it's just about trying to completely quiet your mind so that you could get on the same frequency as source energy, so that you could just get rid of all the clutter and tune into that um, radio station, so to speak, is kind of how it was described to me that made sense. Like, you know, there's so many different frequencies out there and you have to try to tune into the one, um, to God, and you have to quiet everything else out in order to be able to do that. So I've just always practiced meditation through really trying to quiet my mind And I didn't know anything about um, visions, like the the stuff that you have going on when you meditate, Nicole. I didn't know that that was anything that was even possible. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, I think a lot of people struggle with um, quieting their mind. It's called like a monkey mind. It just seems to go everywhere, and just when you try to focus on one thing, you're automatically thinking about another thing. And uh, a lot of people struggle with trying to quiet their mind. Um, And, you know, there's different forms of meditation. Like, I mean, the way I kind of first started meditating, I talked about in episode number two, was I started just listening to Gregorian chants. And that just kind of put me in a more relaxed state of mind and more peaceful and uh, then I met my naturopath who started to um, teach me uh, vis- more visual things like imagining light and breathing that light in through my nose into my body and walk- and envisioning the light fill my body, um, starting all the way down at the toes and then, and then um, filling my body up the legs, into my torso, down my arms, up my neck, through my head and until it came out of my uh, crown chakra. And that was really cool because that's when I first started to, when I did that one, that's when I could feel my body vibrating. I could feel my legs starting to vibrate as I started to fill uh, my legs with light visually. So that was one way that I did it. But I've also done, um, I did guided meditations on like CDs. I don't know if any of you guys have done any of those before. I've I've done some of
2: those and some have been really helpful. Yeah. I think really helpful to do a guided meditation or just some visualization techniques like visualize yourself you know going upward you know or downward or I think just quieting the monkey mind no matter how you do it is the goal you know not to be thinking about your dentist appointment or your relationship or work or your chores or whatever you know to just be present um to be present and it it is hard to do and I think some of the visualization techniques of you know visualizing yourself um you know rising up or just floating or you know or just breathing I think that's one of the best ones just focus on your breathing just in and out and I for me running was a great way of meditating because when I run, I'll just focus on my breathing. I just pay attention to breathing in and breathing out and, you know, rhythmatically and staying like, you know, at a certain pace and really focusing on my breathing. And I'm not, when I do that, I don't think about anything else.
0: Yeah. Running's a great one. Running's a great meditative practice. Michael, you, you, you like running, don't you?
1: I do. I like running and I, uh, I like it for, <laughs> Use your guys' terminology to raise my vibes. <laughs> <laughs> my terminology is just to get in a better mood. But like, if I don't uh, have like a, a at least a four mile run within a forty eight hour window, I go really cranky, and, and and you don't want that. Nobody likes cranky Mike.
2: I used to be like that. Like, if I would, I could not go more than three days without running. I would right. be totally like you, where I'd start to feel like my serotonin levels start to come down again, where I started to feel like depressed. Um, and I, I've had this backache for a while and I haven't been able to run. I haven't run consistently for probably a good six or eight months. and But I've been meditating you know, almost daily. and And I haven't noticed that, you know, I don't get cranky. Like I feel normal. So I think that, you know, maybe it was just the meditation that was more important to me. And maybe that that also releases serotonin, I don't know, but it seemed to take the place of of running for me. So that's good. Well,
0: I mean, we heard from our pineal gland um, expert, Heather Sartain, that the pineal gland is responsible for releasing melatonin and derivatives like serotonin. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah.
2: And, you know, it's still, even after, as much as I have meditated, it's still really hard for me sometimes to quiet my mind. You know, I find myself just thinking about all sorts of different things. But, and I've read lots of books on it and, you know, different techniques and things. But sometimes I just think, don't think you're meant to quiet your well, mind. I was,
1: I was going to say, Lisa, it's like when you try to clear your mind, it's not going to work. <laughs> like,
2: yeah, and there's techniques on how to do that like, you know, not getting upset or worrying about it and then just kind of letting those thoughts exactly. float by like clouds or something. Like, oh, there's that thought. Like, and then as soon as you realize you're thinking a thought, like, oh, that's okay. I'm going to let it go now and go back to, to clearing my mind again or that's why I like focusing on something. Like, I get a lot of colors when I meditate. I know that I've um, cleared my mind. I'm in that state cuz I just see lots of energy, like floating around in my head, like whether it's green or blue or purple, and it feels um, very soothing, like a very um, calm, serene feeling comes over me when I get into that state.
0: Yeah, you know, I am. Um, I did a silent meditation retreat uh, about 10 years ago in Costa Rica. And it was all about like clearing, like stilling the mind and they give you a technique to focus on about, uh, it's like you do a body scan of noticing the sensations within your body as you pass over each area and you never give one area more attention than the other. Um, but, uh, this was before I became more flexible. I was highly inflexible at that time. And so sitting for long periods of time in a cross-legged position was very uncomfortable. And uh, my feet would fall asleep, my ankles, my legs. And, you know, like when that happens um, and then you try to move just like an inch, I don't know if you guys have ever felt this, but it's like a shot of electric energy that goes down your body and it's so painful. Like you can't, yeah, yeah, you felt it.
1: Yeah. I feel that way when I get
0: in certain positions.
1: (laughs) I definitely, I definitely feel that way sometimes too.
0: Yeah. And so I'm sitting in this meditation, uh, retreat and we do 11 hours a day with breaks, but they ask you not to move. And so you're it's silent no one's you know there's no sounds coming out and then all of a sudden you get this shot of electric pain go down your leg and you want to just flinch and kick your leg out but you'll probably hit the person in front of you and no one's making any noise and so it was really uh it was a test it was hard there, like torture you, you know I'm, I'm telling you it was it really it was does. torture the I'm first grateful. the first few days were really torture um but I have to say that it was great exercise for me in my meditation of learning how to be more disciplined uh, in in that kind of regard. But I did have a really cool experience on day four where for the entire two hours we were meditating, all time fell away. I didn't feel I was in it, I was not in my body anymore. I was felt like just formless energy. And I was in a state of pure contentment, like I was, I didn't want to change anything. I was happy exactly with the way everything was. Uh, I didn't want anything less. I didn't want anything more. And I felt that for two hours straight. And I think that was, that was such a really cool experience for me to feel that. And I've never actually felt that again in any of my meditations um, going forward, even to this day. But that's like that that's a really disciplined way of doing it and that's called vipassana so uh, for all our listeners out there if you want to do 10 days of uh, torturous meditation
2: (laughs) uh, everyone's running to sign up yeah, yeah i
0: know um but there's like like you said there's a lot of ways to meditate uh going out in nature just walking around in nature is a form of meditation uh you don't have to be sitting anywhere you don't have to necessarily have your eyes closed and all that—it's just because uh, uh, nature is really great for calming the body because of all the negative ions out there. Um, there's I think it's just about connecting, allowing your mind to connect with
2: that higher, that higher self. Yeah, you have to get yourself in a place where you're just not, you know, in the ego world. You know, just away from the house and away from problems, and just you know, not out taking a walk in nature and like trying to pound out stuff in your head, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but just focusing on maybe the animals that you see as you're walking or the grass or the trees or water flowing and just really paying, paying attention to those types of things and letting your mind focus on that.
0: Yeah. And Michael, like you, you don't seem to really get the meditation thing, but you do like the breathing, right?
1: Um, well I'm working on it. It was a work in progress. Definitely. Uh, the, I, uh, I think what happens is somebody like myself that really does want to jump in in and, and your guys's camp when it comes to your guys's experiences are, is willing to try it but like sometimes you just can't just jump into it full full board like they were saying that you know you see a people that meditate for an hour or two hours that could, that's at that at my current level that's just I can't do it um, it's more like, uh, from what I've read and understood is when people first start off with is to you know give yourself 10-15 minutes or an allotment of time that you can really um, really con- concentrate without concentrating if you will on meditating and so that has been working out better for me uh, I'm up to 11 minutes <laughs> and so, good number uh, you know, well, <laughs> well oh god six numbers um, and <laughs> And so, but like, I've, I'm like Lisa, I feel like there's a lot of colors that come to me, but I don't know if it's just colors from the meditation or colors because my, you know, my eyes are closed and, and my visual mind wants to pick up on something when my eyes are closed. Um, I do find some sort of background, um, rhythmic uh, meditation type music does definitely help.
2: Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of really cool ones on YouTube. That, and I got one of my favorite ones. That, at the very least, uh, when I when I try to use it, and I usually try to do it at night because that's when I'm like most quiet, I guess, in my life. Um, it knocks me out like in like 10, 15 minutes. I'm like asleep, which it's really hard for me to fall asleep. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I'm I'm I think really what. I'm trying to work on is the deep breathing, which again can be challenging too for a long period of time. Um, and but you know, taking in that deep breath, trying to, to breathe in for like a good solid six, seven seconds, keeping it in your lungs for a few seconds before releasing it, that seems to work out quite well for me. And yeah, you can feel, I mean, it's like deep breathing exercise in general, regardless of. Uh, spirituality is just awesome for you, anyway, and I and so I do enjoy that. You can do it anywhere too. I mean, I right. to- do it all the time in my car. I do that a lot. So you're 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 exactly right, Lisa. And then I have this, <laughs> I have the Apple Watch, and every random moment sometimes just sends me a little message saying "Breathe." <laughs> That's all it says.
2: There's an app, you know. There's quite a few apps, but I know of one called Headspace that. It's an a meditation app that just and it has you start out with like ten minutes and it just you know and it and it can remind you each day you know to remember to do your ten minutes and then at, you can set it to to as you get better to add more time to it and I know some people have used use that so for our listeners you can check out if there's any apps that help to remind you I put reminders on my phone for everything like breathe remember to breathe <laughs> <laughs> and it comes up and. Because I used to breathe in and out through my mouth, and I realized that that was not a good thing to do, and that you're supposed to breathe in through your nose. Yeah.
1: Why do you you think there's a difference between that?
0: It filters the air that you breathe. Yeah, and the breath goes straight to the brain when you breathe in through your nose versus your mouth. Gotcha. So... um. Yeah. Okay. So breathing is also really good for activating the pineal gland, which is responsible for your visions. If you're looking to, um, try and have more visions in your meditation. So breath work is, um, a really important key to achieving that. And, uh, I think maybe we can just introduce our audience to the breath of life. Have we done that before?
1: I'm not sure. Michael just described it Uh, yeah i mean that's what you kind of taught me at the beginning so
0: three yeah so okay so for our audience uh if you would like to practice this breath work um, at home all you do is you take a deep breath in through your nose to the count of seven then hold that breath for three seconds then tilt your head down so that your nose points towards your chest and you exhale that breath slowly through your nose And then you repeat. So you inhale, bring the head back up to the count of seven, hold the breath three seconds, and then tilt your head down and breathe into your heart space uh, on the exhale through the nose as well. So all the breath is through the nose. And Lisa and I are practicing that every day for the most part, like 20 to 30 minutes. I know you practice like 30 minutes, Lisa, don't you?
2: Uh, Sometimes.
0: Yeah. I do.
2: And I, yeah,
0: I try to do it every
2: day, but some days get away from me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that, um, I find is really helpful and you know, it's also part of that practice of just taking time for you of filling yourself up. So I think that's always good. But, um, what other meditations have you guys tried that may have worked or didn't work for you?
2: Um, I'm thinking I had
0: this cassette tape. This
2: is so long ago. I was probably like 21 years old. I don't remember, but I, whatever, it, it was one of those um, guided meditations, but I really, it really, really helped me. And um, I, forg- I gave it to a friend. I loved it so much. And I knew I knew it by heart. So I gave her the cassette and then I stopped doing it for a while. And now I totally forget who it was. But um, I think it's just, you know, for everybody, it's going to be different, you know, but I think that the important thing is that you just keep trying different things, you know, and if all you do is take 20 minutes to yourself a day, whether to walk in nature or to, you know, sit in a quiet place, even if it's the bathtub or, you know, somewhere and just breathe. I think that's, you know, that's where you have to start. And then you start trying different things, whether it be guided meditations that you find on YouTube or, you know, listening. You, I love Pandora because I put, I have like meditation music on there. I have the 528 megahertz music. I have like in nature sounds. And those are just all, you know, really relaxing. And I think um, using headphones is really helpful because it blocks out any other noises. Like sometimes I just put it on my bows or whatever, but I find that it's better when I actually put the headphones in my ears.
0: Yeah, I've heard that actually using headphones is much more beneficial.
1: So do you listen to music? You said you do, Michael, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like headphones would work well. However, because I usually am in bed ready to go to sleep too when I uh, when I usually find time for this, that I just put it on like my computer or whatever in, in my background because I don't like to roll around with headphones in my ears.
2: If I wait too long in the night, I, I just fall asleep. So I try to meditate more um, in the afternoon than I do at night just because I don't want to fall asleep <laughs> you know i want to get a good 10 or 15 minutes in before i fall asleep but michael you said you're up to 11 minutes so what does that mean just like after 11 <laughs> minutes you've had enough and you don't, you
1: just stop. Uh, uh well yeah i mean that's kind of what it what it means like if i am actually doing it when i'm not about to go to sleep uh that's about as i mean that's the length that i've noticed that i can usually hover around which is about 10 minute mark and um just because you know, I, I think people also need to understand, at least I'm trying to make myself understand that meditation doesn't give the same results with your, you know, next door neighbor when they meditate. And so I think meditation is a very kind of like, I'm starting to think that meditation becomes more of a personal thing, meaning like you kind of go through your own experience and, and, uh, in 10 minutes or, or so, I feel I do feel very relaxed and and it's just really hard during the day to keep my eyes closed for that long. And if I do open up my eyes, I, I can't meditate with my eyes open or do what I believe is meditation. And so it's very challenging for me uh, to keep my eyes closed for that amount of period of time. But I think it's just also because my I've been so active in the last, you know, Thirty some odd years of life of thinking all the time that it's it's just a it's just a practice of trying to still yourself, which is against. I I've been close to being uh, good at cleaning clearing my mind. I kind of like what you were saying, Lisa. Have the um, thoughts go by, and and I did read that you know just let your thoughts go by. Let it, and you said clouds going by, and I look at more like falling leaves coming down. And, uh, I'm, I haven't really experienced or practiced what Nicole said earlier, which was more of the visualization and that should be like the next potential step. Well,
2: um, I just go ahead, Nicole. No, go ahead. I just wanted to say what you were saying about, you know, your, your practice, your experiences isn't going to be like your neighbors. I think that's just a great, um, reminder for i mean i'm gonna say life in general like you know we're all on our own path and we're so the ego loves to compare to everybody else we're always comparing like you know how does this person do it what do they have what are they you know and it's not about that it's about your own journey and not judging yourself against other people there's no right or wrong way to meditate you know the goal is to just to be able to connect to your higher self and to, um, you know, tune into that. And however you do that is totally unique to each person, whether it be concentrating on your breathing or walking in nature or going for a run or getting in the bathtub, whatever it is. But just remembering that, you know, the goal is to find some peace away from the ego. You know, that's the goal, I think
0: yeah no Nicole. i I agree I think that's some um, very important information um you know for me I've tried so many different forms of meditation I've tried the guided ones on cds i've um and those were great for a while because they would um, be they create these visual scenes that would take you to like a lake or you know out in the the, the fields and so those were were kind of interesting uh, for me, but I also am someone who gets annoyed at listening to someone talk really softly and relaxed, and they're lengthening their voice. And oh, I, yeah. me, too. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> so um, those didn't those didn't work too long for me. Um, but you know, when you say stilling the mind, I actually I wrote a blog on this on my website in Flexible Me uh, that I don't believe that we need to still our mind, uh, that in fact, the energies that are coming to the planet right now are so intense and so high vibration that maybe we need to change the way we were taught how to meditate and kind of work with the energies as opposed to against them, which I feel sometimes like stilling the mind is doing that. So I've, um, I like the free flow imagination where I just allow like an image to come into my head. And as soon as it does, I just start following it and I don't judge it. And like, you know, judgment is the thing that will separate you from connection. So uh, if you're judging your this image that comes into your mind is thinking, well, that's what does that mean? That's crazy. Why am I seeing that? Then you're never going to allow yourself to actually engage in that um, connection. So I'll get these images that come into my mind and they'll start to play out like a movie. And, um, I'm, that's how I actually get messages. That's how I start to learn things and things start to literally play out like a movie. And that's how I was introduced first to Archangel Michael when he came into my meditation. So, um, I think, you know, the, it's also imagination is fifth dimensional thought. So, imagination is one of our most powerful tools so when we're using our meditation practice to strengthen our imagination we're actually strengthening our creative tools which are really important for manifesting the life that we want to create for ourselves and if we continuously think well imagination is just wishing for things or creating things that could never exist then you're completely blocking the very power that your mas- your imagination was created for. It's like your, um, they say like your pineal gland is your imagination station. Uh, and your pineal gland is the gateway to the spiritual realms. So they really go hand in hand. So um, They also
1: say, on average, your pineal gland, I, would, I mean, because I've studied the crap out of that for the last couple of weeks. Very interesting, by the way. I wish they really did talk about this earlier in, in my life uh for this reason is because most of us it's all calcified up by this time we're turning 17 years old with our current like you know fluoride everywhere kind of system um and which kind of makes sense with what you're saying nicole because you know obviously kids and children are very imaginative and as you you know are getting older and more close to your adult days you just think oh that was a child thing or that was a uh that was more of a kid thing to be imaginative. Now I'm an adult. now I got to move on, but it's kind of like coincidental with like the average time your pineal gland kind of takes takes a takes a break, if you will.
0: yeah, no, good well, point. really good yeah, point. people are limited. I mean we're we're
2: taught from the time we're born to believe that we're limited.
0: yeah, it's all part of that matrix programming
1: and now, if I just came and heard you guys for the first time going, yes, you got to use your imagination and then you start seeing things. And I would be like, no shit, and kind of continue to walk away, uh, because it's like, well, you know, if you imagine seeing Archangel Michael perhaps uh, doing something or helping you out or giving you a message, my secular or speculative—oh skep- my god, I can't even say that word—speculative uh, self would say, whatever, you're just imagining that and not really give it any credence.
2: Oh, I imagine speaking to like in my meditations. I'll imagine a lot of the times Jesus being there, and I, I can picture myself like holding his hand and walking with him. And I just I believe I believe it's real. I mean, I know I'm it's an imagined thing, but I believe that that you can connect that way, or with loved ones that have passed on, or whoever you you know,
1: Archangel Michael or or right. Mother Mary right. or
2: whatever. <laughs> visualize them i believe that they are truly there to come yeah. to you
1: and i know you guys believe that but like if i just like literally heard you guys talk about this i'd be like okay yeah but that's culture imagination so what and that's the way i would probably react
0: to no this. okay so for instance one in one of my um meditations i was taken to um a very like kind of mountainous area, but clear. It was snowy everywhere. So it was really, I guess, somewhere either high up in the mountains or very north on the earth. And I see this, it was nighttime and I could feel this, I could hear the snow crunching under my feet. And I look up in the sky and this massive purple colored spaceship descends out of the sky to just hovering above the earth, like, like not right beside me, but in the distance. And I see like this pillar of light come out from beneath it to the ground. And then instantly, there's a darker shadow type uh, figure standing right beside me with all this purple energy around it. And it starts to telepathically speak with me. And we have a conversation And we walk in the snow and I could tell that it wasn't sure. Um, I was trying to figure out who it was because I I, I couldn't, I didn't know what it was, who it was. Um, And then, uh, but I knew it was trying to give me a message, but I wasn't getting it. And then all of a sudden the image disappeared and the the spaceship was gone, like just in a flash. And so I thought, oh gosh, like that's really weird. You know, like I don't just sit there and decide, oh, I'm going to like think about a purple colored spaceship coming down out of the sky and then a shadow person comes to me like I had no control over imagining that I, I allowed it to come in and I didn't judge it and that's what I'm talking about so what I did is then I later started to research I'm like I started researching this violet color this purple and I realized that I was visited by Saint Germain and that he uses the violet flame of transmutation and that was the message he was trying to send me. And so I started researching the violet flame of transmutation, how to use it in my meditation, and how important it has become in my spiritual practice. And that's what I was able to learn. That's the guidance I was gave, given in that meditation. So when you question, um, oh, you just imagined it, well, the guidance comes in, there's, there's guidance coming into your imagination. It's not like you just sit there and think, Oh, I want to think about a chicken in front of me. And so a chicken's there. It's not like that. You allow something to come up in your mind, and then you just follow it. And
1: when you you do your research, Nicole, where it is, like, so so you come up, you know, purple, and a few other things. And this means St. Germain. Well, says who? You know what I mean? Like, where is this research coming from? It's not like uh, it's, you can find it on Wikipedia or something like that. But imagine, maybe you can. Who knows with Wikipedia?
0: Um, I just googled it.
1: <laughs> I know, but like, anybody could write anything on the internet. Is my point. <laughs> oh.
0: Yeah, and so could like, any other philosopher <laughs> write anything in any book, and you read it. How do you know it's true? Like, I don't know. Like, that's that's just. Well, I mean, seems... that, that, that's
1: see, that where my science uh, brain comes in because you can prove the result over again uh where this one is more like oh purple and it means this i mean uh, that so there's a lot of like things that people just say out there and it's like and uh, and i'm didn't mean to test you like this but like i'm always curious like oh this clearly means that and i'm like what do you mean clearly i'm missing the clearly part
0: no I understand what you're saying, but it's different. So when I was, when I Googled it, I got so much information. Saint Germain was the first thing to pop up. Violet Flame of Transmutation popped up. And then I started researching that. And there was so much information on it. And it made sense for what kind, I was asking for some guidance on certain things. And that that was something I needed to start using. And um, so I incorporated it into my meditation. And now it's it's, I mean for those of you who are listening and don't know what the violet flame of transmutation is for people who are in the meditative practice, like this is pretty common stuff. Violet flame of transmutation, like it's well known and it's documented through not just recent new age stuff. Like it's been around for quite some time. Uh, You'll find it in older books. You'll find it in, in other um, kind of older documents. So,
1: Uh, Are you going to tell me what it means?
0: (laughs) So when you are wanting to change your energy, okay, so say you are in, um, you're operating from energy of fear and you don't want to be in that fearful energy. You use the violet flame. It's actually a tool handed down to us through St. Germain, who is considered to be an ascended master, to use the violet consuming flame to transmute the fear into a higher vibration energy. So it's alchemy. Um, it's the alchemical process. So it's about, you know, energy, just it's changes, right? It's it never. Um, yes. Right. Okay. So,
1: okay, I'm, I'm a little bit confused. So I, I guess walk me through the process. What you, What do you, are you imagining like literally a purple flame? I'm um,
0: So, okay, so what I do is I imagine, um, first I ask that the violet flame fill my entire body. And so I imagine this violet flame filling all of my cells, filling me inside, just with violet um, light. And then I ask for the violet light to expand beyond my physical body into my mental, emotional, and etheric body. So that it's like emanating out of my body now. And then I have a mantra that... Nicole, I don't hear you.
1: Yeah, neither do I, so we must have lost her.
0: Uh no. be the violet flame.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she expended it too far. <laughs>
0: Okay, everyone, at this particular point in the podcast, we were experiencing a little bit of technical difficulties. Lisa and Michael couldn't hear me, and um, no matter what we tried, it just wasn't working while I tried to explain the violet flame. So I'm gonna do that really quickly for all of you right now, so that if you do wanna use this uh, technique in your meditation, you can. So after filling your body, uh, all your cells, imagining the flame to completely fill you up, you ask that the violet flame expand beyond your physical body, body into your mental emotional and etheric bodies and so what you're doing is you're visualizing this flame now being outside of you burning all the way around you and then I use this um this invocation I ask the violet flame to transmute anything and everything that stands in the way of my ascension on all dimensions on all levels through all space and time past present and future so be it and I ask that all energies be transmuted into unconditional love, and that's about it. And you can actually choose whatever energies you want to choose. You can choose, um, you can choose sort of healing. You can choose gratitude. You can choose joy. You can choose peace. Whatever energies you feel like you want to transmute uh, the energy into, by all means, go and do that. So that's just uh, something I practice right before I go into my visual state of my meditation. You can do this even just on its own. You don't have to do it before meditation. I think it's a really great practice that if you're feeling really funky during the day and you just want to transmute that crap into something better so that You know, you can kind of get yourself out of the funk. Uh, This is a really good uh, tool to use as well. So just take a few minutes, visualize this whole violet flame process, and then use that invocation. Uh, And that's about it. So we're going to jump back into the podcast and we're going to be starting to talk about something new. Because clearly, whatever we tried to do to talk about this violet flame was not happening when we were recording.
1: We were talking about
2: meditation
1: in different ways. Okay, let me ask you guys this. In, medit- in When you're in your meditative state, do you guys ever get any kind of like um, uh, message about the future in general? Not just like you're like a specific, like something challenging in your life and you're trying to figure out if you should turn left instead of right kind of situation, but more of like a, more of like a general message of mankind world kind or whatever
2: i don't i don't know for me i don't really get very many messages or visions when i'm meditating but
1: this is probably more of a nicole question then because i know she kind of gets some that's for sure
2: well she gets so many different images and things that are amazing to me um but i think that it it does help clear your mind to where you're open to those messages like You know, maybe it's an hour after you meditate or maybe it's the next day, but I think that it helps you to get on that frequency to where you can receive that guidance, like what we talked about in our last episode about, you know, angels and, um, how they speak to you and how the higher realms communicate with you. And I think when you practice quieting your mind, then those things come to you more easily that, that intuition, that thought that came out of nowhere, um, ideas or solutions to problems. I think when you learn to quiet your mind through meditation, that just generally you get um, more connected to that.
1: That seems to make sense.
2: That's the way it works for me.
1: I would I would love to get vis, um, visualizations like Nicole does. I think it's... Oh, I would love that too. I mean, that's kind of like what... I mean, that's like the, the big thing that really would put me over the edge of of course it would put me over the edge of like really like okay there's something to this this is really cool that's why i'm like really trying to work on my pineal gland ever since uh, that that episode ran to try to like at least at the very least detox as much as i can with that and see if i can get that up and working again you know what i mean
2: and when we do um group med- meditations nicole holds um group meditations and during some of those, I've I've definitely had some visions. They're not as clear and as vivid as some of the other um, people that have, are, you know, are in the group. But you know, what I've about- I've seen some things that I'm just like, oh, okay. Like I didn't expect
1: to, to see anything. What but- about dreams, Lisa? Do you ever experience dreams that are very kind of like? Um- I have very vivid dreams. And right, and so do you, does that? Does any of that really relate quite a bit to your own life and on and to the yeah, the.
2: I've- I think so. I've always been um, a really vivid dreamer and I I have like lucid dreams. I know that I'm dreaming and I talk to myself while I'm in dreams, like knowing that I'm dreaming. Um, I feel like I'm almost like in the dream but out of it at the same time. Um, And I've always used, you know, looked up symbols of dreams and I find, you know, during certain periods of my life, certain dreams happen, whether it be around water You know, and you can use, you know, the Internet to look up different symbols of what things mean, you know, and usually when there's a lot of water in your dreams, you're swimming that um, relates to like emotional things. And there's just, you know, if I have something, just a crazy dream with something that really stuck out for me, um, then I'll look it up and I have found that it really does explain what's going on in my life at that time.
1: Gotcha. That makes sense. Nicole, any thoughts?
0: Um, well, when it comes to, like, your visions, uh, the thing that's blocking you is trying to explain it, is your need to explain what you're seeing or why you're seeing it. So when you are able to let go of that need to explain it and just have the experience without any judgment – that's when you are likely going to allow your visions to come in. I think that's one of the things that blocks people the most is that they've already created all these limitations to what they can see and they don't allow themselves to just have the visual experience and uh, without the need to have all the answers as to why they're having those visions. So I try to just let the visions come in and see what I see. Sometimes I don't see anything and you know, and then other times I'll see um, the most incredible things. Um, And then it's afterwards that I start researching certain things and start understanding what I've been shown because I don't believe that it's just me creating the thoughts. I feel like there's divine guidance coming in that I'm being shown things um, and that uh, there's importance there behind it. So the, the biggest thing is judgment. You just can't go in there judging what you're seeing. You just have to go in there with the willingness to have the experience and that's it.
2: Yeah, like if a, a duck or a chicken or something shows up as a vision, then you don't want to be like, oh, why am I thinking of a duck or a chicken? I think there's a balance between thinking, oh, this is a thought that I need to clear, which is probably what I do, where I'm just trying to have my mind be so blank that when things come to it, I dismiss it as just a monkey thought, you know, a monkey, my monkey brain going all over the place, even though I try not to.
1: But there are people in you, know, you guys', is, um, uh, from what you guys know, that do get kind of visions and things like that about the future of situations.
2: Well, we have some friends that are, um, you know, they're, they're psychics. You know, you want to decide.
1: Oh, oh, that's a good question too. So, is, uh, or is, does everybody have the potential to be psychic, or is it just like a select few?
0: No, I, I believe we all have the abilities of of being psychic. Um, th- those are all the abilities that have been dumbed down through trying to calcify our pineal gland.
1: So, if like, do you guys feel psychic at all? In your opinion?
0: yeah, I do now. I used to think I wasn't, but now all of this stuff's starting to happen. And the more I'm allowing things to open up, the more I'm starting to tune into those higher frequencies and to, um, like the divine guidance coming through. So, um, but I think anyone can do that. It's just a matter of like exercising the muscle and doing all the things you need to do to take care of your pineal gland.
2: and i think again it's gonna be unique to every single person like your psychic ability may be just a gut feeling or a knowing and someone else's may be seeing visions in meditation or like for me what i've actually realized the past several days about um my light language is that it is a confirmation for me to like truth like i can ask a question or talk about a Specific topic, or you know, be in a conversation with somebody about something, and when truth is spoken like that, yes, that's the way you need to go, or that you know, yeah, that's definitely what it meant. If we're kind of talking about, yeah, this happened, and I think it means that I'll just start speaking light language, and it's just like Nicole and I, you know, are together and we'll be talking about stuff, and she'll see me do like a little jump and just you know, laugh and be like, yep, that means yes, and I feel like that is where my psychic ability has come in more to what through light language. Like it's just there to um, help guide me with knowing um, truth. Like, is this the way to go or is it not the way to go? It's kind of like my own internal pendulum.
0: Yeah. That's a good way of describing it.
2: And I've just really realized that over the past few days, just, you know, because I haven't been doing it for that long and, and i've been wanting and asking for guidance and help in understanding what it is that this light language means because you know i'm spewing out sounds and things that i have no idea what they mean and it's just kind of made been made clear to me the past few days like you you know exactly what it is because every time it comes it's it's when i'm talking about something you know and i want to know if it's it's truth or maybe i'm not I don't want to know it just comes when it wants to come, but that seems to be when it comes.
1: Do you think the future is already known?
2: Well, my opinion is we have free will. So that's why, like when you go to a psychic and they may predict something that it isn't necessarily going to happen because you have free will as well as everybody else in the situation involved and anybody could change their mind at any time and go a different direction, which could change, change the future. So it doesn't mean that the psychic was wrong. It just means at that moment when they looked at it, this is the, this is the way it was going. And then it changed. What do you think, Nicole?
0: No, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. I think that, Um, There are certain things that are kind of laid out for us to experience and have in our life. And um, but the choices that we make, um, you know, can determine whether or not we reach those events or, or not. Or maybe we do and we start creating new ones. Like, I don't think that you have zero control over what happens in your life and how it plays out. I do think there's stuff set up to help guide you in a certain way uh, so that you do make certain choices or decisions when it's best for your soul. But um, the free will factor that Lisa was talking about um, is number one. So you always have the choice to choose differently.
1: Because I think this ties a lot into just why the main focus reason on why you would even want to meditate. That's kind of like what I'm gathering is like, just, just exactly what you said, Nicole. Is like if you n- theoretically have a pre-plan for your life. That's that's. Uh, let's just let's just take it for what it is. If you're trying to ascend in during this lifetime, uh, in your if using your guys' language. Uh, you really want to tap into that more meditative state to really help discern your decisions, I suppose, so you can make sure you follow the correct path. And th- and I just feel like there's a very small percentage of the population that is would be into that or is currently in that state. So I feel like there's a lot, like, let's just say 80% of the population running around using a, for a lack of language you like chickens with their heads cut off and they just don't know where what direction they're going
0: well i think say? okay so i think it's just a form of semantics or how you say things so would you say that the there's only a small percentage of the population who wants to live a better life a happier life a more fulfilling life I think that everybody just wants to be happy. That's what ascension is. That's what ascension is. Ascension is moving up in vibrational frequency. So like when you start expanding your consciousness and um, taking care of yourself, you start to go up higher and higher and higher in frequency which is where all of the joy resides and the happiness and the fulfillment that people are looking for. So when we're talking about ascension, that's kind of what we're talking about in like more of, I guess the layman terms of just finding the fulfillment and the happiness that everyone's looking for in their life.
1: And everybody's looking for it, but we're like there's a big chunk of the population that I would imagine is stuck in a maze where there's a certain like in, in your guys' perspective, there's a certain population that's using more like meditation and things like that and raising vibrations to kind of like guide them out of the maze, if that makes sense.
0: Because when you're, the reason why people get stuck in the maze is because they're in lower levels of consciousness. And, um, I just did a whole video on it and, and it was fantastic by the way. And so, you know, we talked about in this, in one of the episodes about power versus force And um, the different levels of consciousness and and what that means for you as an individual where you reside in that level. So, you know, if you're someone who's allowing yourself to be bombarded with fear, um, live life from a fearful place, your choices reflect fears instead of hopes and desires then you're never going to have that expanded awareness to want to connect to something or do or have that desire to have more fulfillment in your life um, because you're too stuck in that lower level of consciousness. So, And that's why there is so much bombardment through the news and other forms of media that keep you in a state of fear so that you don't move out of that maze or that matrix, that level of consciousness, and that you don't attain what it is that you're saying people are trying to do through meditation, which is get the fulfillment, the joy, the love. Um, so like, that's really important for people to understand is understanding what it means to be in a lower state of, or lower level of consciousness and how that's going to completely limit how you live your life.
2: I believe that lower state is truly, it's the ego. It's getting away from the ego. It's getting away from the things of the body and letting yourself you know, not compare yourself to everybody all the time and feeling like you have to be in control of everything all the time. And once we're, I think the goal in this life is to realize that we're not an ego. We're not a body. Like we are so much more. And I think that as you, meditation helps you do that because it helps you just step away from that and, and let, let go.
1: Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) i have yeah because i have like i don't want to like digress too far away from meditation but it's funny how we're supposedly in a very um like I, i can't remember exactly how you said nicole like high energy state current time correct in your opinion
0: yeah there's a lot of energy coming into the planet from like our sun um and i
1: want and i wonder if be, to help or to combat that energy, we purposely, or we meaning like somebody or some things, purposely made a lot of distractions that are even more enhanced. For example, with what you just said, Lisa, you know, we're, we don't want to sit there and, and judge ourselves compared to others and blah, 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 and that's pretty much 80 no i'm gonna say 99 percent. social media is like you know you're just like looking at other people's lives going oh my life's not as good as that person's life
2: and television and just all
1: of it just trying Absolutely. To you know you know following the kardashians following this looking at these yeah. you know typical wives over here and typical wives over there and bachelor this and bachelorette okay. that it's like oh my gosh there's so much comparison going on in these shows
0: yeah, I mean, the energy of all of those shows is low level of consciousness. It's, Got it. it's super low. So when you're watching those shows, um, you're allowing your, your energy to move into those lower states. Uh, so And it's not that you can't watch them, you know, like every now and then I need to watch something like that just to check out of, you know, whatever it is. I just want to be numbed for like an hour or so, and, and that's totally cool. Um, but, you know, if you're not aware of like how much you're watching and what's happening, like, you know, if you were to watch one of those like housewives episodes, you know, like they're just constantly fighting with one another and screaming at at one another. And, you know, it's just who wants to communicate like that with people who wants to hang around people like that. And so, but if you're constantly watching shows like that, that becomes your reality. And you think that's just normal. And that's what the, um... (laughs) There is. Yeah, that's what part of the matrix is, is to keep you thinking, like, that's all acceptable and normal, and that's how people should just be. And that's obviously not how we want <laughs> to live our Nicole, lives.
1: Let me ask you this question, since and, and maybe to you too, Lisa, if you had to do it all over again. And if you had a child, if we all three of us have a child right now, uh, well, first of all, that'd be a miracle of science. But let's say we have our own individual child. <laughs>
0: okay
1: okay so we're all there
0: we're uh, not we're not having a child one child together all three of us
1: right right <laughs> all three of us have a child how would you raise a child kind of question and would you even introduce these type of, of uh, things into their life like uh, that obviously television because I, I don't want to be like one of those if I did become a parent I don't want to become one of those parents like that makes their kid like live in a closet all their early life either how would you like like weigh out the the good versus bad when it comes to raising a child.
2: Well I um, I homeschooled my kids and I was my ex-husband was a TV watcher twenty four seven always had the television on and and a lot of the time it was sports and I was you know okay with that, but even just having to listen to the commercials was annoying to me and yeah. I actually you know and I tried to keep my kids, away from that. Like I refused. He wanted to get them televisions in their room when they were younger. I was like, yeah, that's never going to happen. And just always trying to keep them outside or keep them busy or just keep them away from the general negativity of television. And I think if I had, you know, if I had to do it all over again, um, I wouldn't marry someone who (laughs) watched that much TV (laughs) Um, so that I could keep it away from them more. You know, I would do my best to keep it away from them as much as I could and have I know a lot of people that let their kids just watch movies, you know, and they choose the movies that they get to watch. You know, and it's okay to be exposed to that stuff a little bit, but it's just about communicating with your kids too and teaching them these things that we're talking about. Like kids, this isn't this this isn't something that a child can't understand. You know, whether you're talking about meditation or imagination or the ego. I mean, I just think that there's no reason we can't teach our kids these things from the time they're born. And then, you know, kinda try to, try to keep some of those things like television away from them, but you know, just be honest and explaining and having conversations like we're having together. I I I mean, I think the best way to raise children is to not necessarily treat them like adults, but but Understand that they're smarter than you think, you know, and that you can have intelligent conversations with them, and you can explain things to them. You don't have to treat them like they're like they're stupid or they wouldn't get it. Right. And and I I explained a lot of things to my kids that I'm sure most people didn't when their kids were small. Um, just just different stuff about communication psychology on things, and I feel like it made them more grounded um grounded individuals grounded adults
1: would you let them have their own facebook profile
2: uh well my kids are older i know like
1: if you if you add like if let's, let's say you have a 13 year old child right now pulling on your arm saying please let me have a facebook profile page would you let them
2: I don't know. That's a that's a great question. Maybe maybe not. I I, I, really, I, I totally really would. To.
0: <laughs> I totally would. I think it's not about the actual Facebook page. I think it's about understanding like why they want to have it and what they want to do with it, and having those conversations where your child is is well rounded and and knows how to make certain choices and decisions for them. Like, you know, you can use social media for benefit. Um, I think it's when it's I I don't think it's so much the outside things that are as bad, like you want to be using them in, in positive ways. But I think it's important that. The, just the education comes in from the very get-go. That you're you're constantly loving your child. You have good commu- communication with your child. Uh, mm-hmm. You know that, and that you spend time with your child that's meaningful um, and supportive. That they understand how to see things and and analyze things or understand what's going on without having to you to take something away, and so that they never have access to it. You know what I'm saying? Treat, like I say you know treating them with respect and treating them like they're they're
2: capable of understanding what you're saying not just saying no no you can't do this or no you yeah. can't do that it's it's uh, my space was what had come out when my kids were um, teenagers like you know 13 12 13 14 and um, I, I allowed them to use it but only for a certain amount of time, And they used it on the computer that was, you know, in the office where I could stand over their shoulder and see what they were doing. And, you know, and we had they shared with me different conversations and things that were going on, like so-and-so said this or did that. And we had, you know, we had conversations about it instead of just, you know, now it's really hard because kids have phones. So they're over on their phone and they could be, you know, doing anything at any time and spending time um, when you don't even know it so i i don't know if i would want to be a parent of a to
0: right now. <laughs> no, you know, I think it's just important to know that you're going to be helping to equip your kid with the tools that they need to to go out in life and make the choices and proper decisions that they need to that are hopefully to their their betterment. And everyone's going to screw up. Everyone's not going to make the right choice. That's just part of life. And I think feeling like you need to uh, isolate your kids from certain things that are out there right now, I don't think is the answer. I think the answer is just education it's um that constant communication like i'll always if i were to have a kid they'd be learning how to meditate like from the womb oh oh,
1: that's uh, that was my next question would you guys be teaching early absolutely and
0: i'll tell you why because having that having that connection to my higher self is where I feel I'm getting the best guidance. And I would want my child to know themselves to the best of their ability to understand themselves fully and to have that connection so that they can make really great choices that are supportive of their joy of how they want to create this life for themselves. So, and, and I feel like for me, my meditation has opened up my so much for me that I would absolutely, I'd be doing it while they were in the womb.
2: I think that's great. I think everything you said is spot on. It's about educating your child. And, you know, we we choose to come here to earth to have certain experiences. And you can't protect your child from absolutely everything. But you just have to give them the tools to make the right decisions. And I think meditation is a great place to start.
0: Yeah, I mean, you see kids now, they're, they're doing yoga at young ages, you know, like we didn't have that when we were kids. Um, and I think that's great. I, that's allowing them to really understand their body, connect mind and body together through breath. Like these are really good tools that I think are just coming through because people are starting to uh, expand their consciousness more and want that for their children. And so it's just, you know, it's what happens as we evolve as human beings.
2: And letting, you know, having conversations with your kids and letting them make decisions and letting, asking them, like, what do you, you know, what do you think you should do? And letting them know that they have the, they have the power to know. They already know, you know, we're born with this internal guidance system that usually gets squashed because we're told, you know, we have to do this, we can't do that. You know, and giving, letting your kids know that they have the power to make the right decisions that maybe I don't know as a parent what the best thing is, like, you know, what is... What does the kid feel? And, and allowing that at least to be part of the conversation.
0: And kids pick up on energy way more than we as adults can tell because we've disconnected so much. Like with my niece, if I'm like rubbing my hands together to like give her some Reiki, she lights up as soon as like I open my hands to her. And she just she starts giggling and she's smiling like she gets it. I know she gets it, and so I would want to foster that, nurture that um, that element, and keep that alive as long. Hopefully, it would never die out. But you know, like that's something I would want to nurture into her later years, teen years. 20s like just so that she never loses that connection because that's where we're all struggling is we're trying to get the back to that connection that we had as children but then we were programmed to think oh that doesn't really exist oh you know it's just your imagination so i think it's really important to, to nurture that
2: yeah i think that if you're going to put your energy into
0: anything it's to change
2: the world you know put it into kids because they've Already come with so much that we've lost, and gotcha. just helping them to maintain that, maintain that imagination, and me- maintain that inner knowing. Instead of trying to unprogram them, you know, it's a lot easier. Makes Does that sense. answer your question, Michael?
1: Oh yeah, I mean no, I mean it's uh, the scariest thing I, I can imagine right now is having a child, and not because uh, the having the child part it's like how would i raise that child in today's world and and like you know we we like like nicole and i are the same age and we grew up in a certain way that we were we have it easy compared to kids nowadays when it yeah when but it our parents said day. the
0: same things about us you know about themselves when like we were they were you know what i'm saying like when they were our age and we were really young I remember they're like, oh my gosh, the things that you kids have now. Like, it, it was just. I just feel like as things evolve, that's always going to be the case.
1: No, I, I I disagree with you. My parents always said, You have it easy. We didn't when they were young. <laughs> I
2: walked 10 feet of snow uphill.
1: Exactly, snow. exactly. And you know, I had an apple and a piece of bologna for lunch, those kind of things.
0: Yeah, but um, then you could also flip it and say, My parents will say, Oh my gosh, the amount of like crime that you guys have to deal with and the craziness. Like, we never had any of that. We got, we got to leave our doors unlocked and didn't have have to worry about locking our doors so it's just different times it's about adjusting and i don't know i think it's you no know, you're just gonna you're gonna be fine you're gonna at the end of the day you're gonna do the
2: best that you know how to do for your child and
0: that's going to be okay michael, no matter what it is it's going to be okay are you are you planning on adopting michael is that why we're having this conversation
1: no however um I, you know, I don't know. I mean, no, there's nothing going on, other <laughs> guys. Uh, <laughs> the most important thing is. I, unless know. there's some immaculate concepting going on, there's nothing going on. <laughs> but I always. I've always,
2: oh, I've always
1: thought you. about the idea. Because I really. I think I would love to have a child still to this day. And, and I'd be so afraid.
2: Well, if you want <laughs> to have a child with Michael, go ahead and comment. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, right in. You can you you can use your number and just relay any message. <laughs> um, that's worth it, in in, in your opinion. Watson, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> phone number uh, six is whatever. No, I'm joking. Um, no, but like it's a, it's a honest conversation because I watched this one movie a long time ago, like when I say a long time ago, like a few years ago, uh, named Hannah, I believe. And it was about this father who basically took his daughter and went out in the woods and trained her to be like Jason Bourne part two. Uh, but like kind of kept her away from the entire world. And and there, there's always like an idea, like I bet and every parent, like they kind of want to do that just because you feel like this world's so screwed up. So I just wanted to hear your guys' take. Yeah. It's just, I don't
2: know. Yeah. And I, and I
1: agree I, with I you guys
2: grown and I would have, you know, and I wish that I, could have done some things different and differently and um I
1: you would know, imagine every parent feels that way. the
2: same but at the end of the day you know I did the best that I knew how during you know raising them and I actually have amazing kids so I'm really really happy about it so I just I I just don't think you need to overthink it too much just you know spend time with your children love them communicate with them teach them things like meditation and how to connect with themselves and that they're more powerful than this world lets on to believe and you'll do a great job
1: there you go so maybe i will adopt you never know
2: there's plenty of kids out there that need a great dad so, i know i know you know you think about I, but- that too like there's kids in foster care that are bouncing from home to home there's kids in abusive home like you think of all the horrible things that are going on right now with children and you're worried if you're going to do it exactly right, you know?
1: If <laughs> right, you know. It's
2: like, give them an education and love them and tuck them in, you know, at night with full bellies, like, you know, you've done a great job.
1: Yeah, I agree. Not, I don't have too many other questions about meditation in general, guys. I'm not sure if you guys have did. But no, I mean, it was good. to. Uh, meditation is a very interesting thing that I really frowned or pointing my nose down to the ground when I first heard about it from other people, but it's, I'm, you know, and I'm slightly enjoying the practice and hopefully it will get better.
2: Yeah. Keep trying. I say, just make it a, make it a daily practice. Even if you only have five minutes or, or 10 minutes or all, all you can do is walk in nature
1: I will say, giving Nicole credit, the the breath of life is, I think, the key fundamental thing that you can, for beginners, for novices out there, to learn to get that going. I think that's very, very good uh, advice from you guys.
0: Um, okay, so for all of our listeners out there, meditation. It's uh, you. There's so many different ones that you can try. There are different forms. Just try whichever ones start feel right to you in the beginning, and it's kind of, kind of be one of those, um, you know, trial and error, and uh, whatever feels right for you is what's I think going to be the best form of meditation. And if you want some further information on meditation, I've got a few different blogs on my website inflexibleme.com. You can go over there. I also have one on the violet flame of transmutation so if you want to get some more information on that you can as well and if you want to understand uh, your levels of consciousness i also just did a video uh, that is on that website as well to kind of take you through the different levels of consciousness and why uh, it's important to not allow yourself to fall into those deeper ones or those lower ones i should say because that's where you start to find yourself in this hamster wheel of creating something in your life that you don't probably want, um, and I think that's it. Uh, do you guys have anything else to add? No, I think that's. I think we're good. All right. Well, good talk. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to our next episode. All right, everyone. We'll catch you next time on Enlighten Up. Bye!